0: It is just a blessing and privilege just to be able to worship with you tonight and have all the families who are here. And We just want to continue in praise and worship through the Word and and in this passage that we just heard read this morning, and if you have a Bible with you, you're free to jump into that as well. But here in Matthew chapter 2, one of the main themes that, that we see in this text is rejoicing. And this week as a church, we've been talking about how Jesus' followers rejoice in the King. And really, Christmas is a time of rejoicing. Uh, There are a lot of probably you in this room who have a lot to rejoice over. Some you're rejoicing that family has finally showed up. You've been looking forward to that person finally getting here, arriving. And it's a reason for joy. It's a reason to celebrate. Uh, For some of you kids in the room, you've been rejoicing over some presents. And the time is almost here, right? You've got your eye on the prize, almost there, trying to make it to the end. You're ready for some great rejoicing, hopefully over the next 24 hours. Uh, for some, you're just rejoicing that you get some time off. You know, it's some vacation, it's downtime, it's rest, and something you've been looking for. For others, you might be rejoicing that 2019 is almost over, and you are just ready to get past this year into a new year. Uh, we are people who, who understand rejoicing, and we, the reason is because is we are created to rejoice. And the question uh, that, that I would like us to wrestle with just for a minute, that that we see in this text, and I I think this passage calls us to in the midst of singing and celebrating all the things that we're going to do, and a lot of you will be going to hang out with family in a few minutes, is a question, and this is a question that's important for all of us to answer, and, and the question is this, what are you rejoicing in tonight? What are you rejoicing in right now? What has your heart? What are you looking to to find joy? What are you looking to to find fulfillment and satisfaction? What, what are you rejoicing in? And, and this passage that, that we just heard read from Matthew chapter 2, it's bigger than just a story about something that happened in Jesus' life early on, or it's bigger than just even a Christmas story. It's a rejoicing story. And so what I'd love to do is I just want to point out a couple realities of rejoicing that, that we see in this text that are true of you, they're true of me, they're true of all of us in the room. And, and my prayer is that it helps focus our hearts on worshiping the king. And then we're just going to continue singing, we're going to continue praising him, we're going to continue uh, giving thanks to him. And so the first reality, and, and there's so much in this passage. I wish we had just tons of times to, to chase it. We, we don't. The first reality is this, is that everyone is rejoicing in something or someone. Everyone rejoices in someone or something. Every single person in this room, every single person who's ever existed in this world, we rejoice ultimately in someone or something. And and we see this on display really through two sets of people uh, in this passage. One is King Herod who, if you know the Christmas story, you know a little bit about him, not a very good guy. Uh, And the other is the Magi, the wise men. And what this narrative does is it kind of compares and contrasts these two guys. And as you begin reading through the story about the Magi coming, uh, seeking the king, and you see Herod's response, at at the beginning of it, it almost looks like they're pursuing the same thing. You know, the, the Magi, they're trying to find this baby king, king of the Jews. And as soon as Herod meets them, he's trying to find the same thing. He's trying to find this baby king. Uh, they, they both set to people, they're, they're trying to put forth a lot of effort to find the king. You know, the magi, they've traveled from a distant land, they've studied the stars, they, they've gone on this journey, they've brought sacrifice. They are working hard to find the king. And what we also see here in verses 3 on is that when Herod finds out about this baby king, he works really hard too. He pulls the Pharisees in, he pulls the scribes in, he he studies the law, and he sets kind of these secret meetings up. He's trying to find the king. And they even give the same motivation. In in verse 3 it says, or in verse 2, the the magi come, they say, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, this is what it says, and we have come to worship him. So the magi have come to worship, give honor, give praise, give glory to this baby king. Well then a few verses later, Herod says that's his goal too, that's his aim. He says, when you find out where the child is, in verse 8, bring word to me that I too may come and, the same words, worship him. So from the outset, it looks like they're after the same thing, it looks like they might be rejoicing in the same thing, but but you know and I know because we've been reading the, the narrative that, they're not after the same thing. That actually, when we begin to look at Herod, what we see is he says that he wants to rejoice in the king. He wants to worship the king. But the reality is he doesn't want to worship the king. He sees Jesus as an opponent. And the thing that's capturing Herod's heart is not this desire to worship the true, thing, the true king. The desire that's capturing his heart is he's fighting for security, He's fighting for control. Uh, he's fighting for his kingdom. Jesus is standing in the way of what his heart desires most. So he says he wants to worship the king, but his heart wants something else. And, and while Herod's a really bad guy, I, I think that this thing that's going on in Herod's heart is also true Of you and me. I think a lot of times, if we're not careful, especially a lot of us, probably the majority in the room, we would say we're Christians, we're Jesus followers, we want to worship Him. You're here at a Christmas Eve service tonight because you want to praise and worship Him. But if we're not careful, that will only be the words of our mouth, but not really the desires of our heart. And I saw this illustrated in our own lives just recently through our youngest son, Trip. And we have a picture, I think, of him. And so I don't know if, if some of you have met him before, but he is the cutest shepherd of all, right? And so we had a, a Christmas play last week, and his, his grades sang. And one of the things that we weren't sure what Trip was going to do is how he would respond to singing on stage. In years past, he's not always done that. But this past week, he sang. He sang loud, he sang big, he sang off key. It was awesome, right? <laughs> Everything you want your child to do, he was full on. And to most people in the room, they would think, man, he's doing such a good job, you know, bringing Christmas cheer, singing loud for all to hear. But but the reality of the story is this, is that the reason why Tripp sang was two reasons, two matchbox cars, okay? So before he came up on stage that day, Mom and dad, yes, I'm confessing bribery here, said, if you will obey your teachers and sing loud, you get two brand new cars. So guess what he did? He sang with all his might. And there was even one point in in one of the songs, you look at the friend next to him and just the number two. (laughs) Eyes on the prize. I know what I'm doing. And the thing that struck me in that moment and that just caught me is that my son is singing he's three and a half but he's here singing on stage and he's literally shouting out songs that are praises to the king but his heart wasn't set on the king his heart was set on those cars and friends that was true of Herod but it's also often true of you and me we can gather in a room like this we can sing praises to the king but the question for you and the question for me is what is your heart rejoicing in tonight And Herod's heart was not rejoicing in the king. On the flip side, the magi, they, they don't come to get something from the king. They don't come to get the gift. They come for the giver. They're not there for the creation. They're there for the creator. In fact, they give up things. They come and bring a sacrifice of praise. When they finally find the baby, it says as they come to the star over Bethlehem that they rejoiced with exceeding great joy they rejoiced in the king so brothers and sisters here's the question i want to ask you tonight what are you rejoicing in and that brings us to the second reality everyone is rejoicing in something but the second reality is this is that true jesus followers rejoice in the king we rejoice in the king above all else And that's why this story is actually in the book of Matthew. It's not just about history. It's not about Magi and Herod. The reason why this story is in our Bible is to tell you, to tell me, to tell the world that Jesus is the king. That he's the true and better promise. That everything in the Old Testament that was promised about the Redeemer is being fulfilled in him. That's why it quotes Micah here in these verses. That Jesus, he's not only true and better promise, but he's the true and better Redeemer, this whole story about Jesus uh, being here, and then his parents have to take him to Egypt is reflective of another guy named Moses, who was sent by God to redeem his people from bondage out of slavery. And now Jesus is having to run to Egypt with his family. and he's the true and better redeemer. He's not just the true and better redeemer, but the picture of the star, the star's not just there to be a cool story. Jesus and God, being God, created the star. And that star points to the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. But Jesus isn't just the light of the world. He's the true and better sacrifice. As I was reading this story again this week, something that stood out to me that I've never really noticed before is this phrase in verse 2. The wise men say, Where is he who's been born King of the Jews? Do you know that phrase appears one other time in the book of Matthew? It's when King of the Jews is written on a sign that's put above Jesus' head as he's hanging on a cross. See, the reason why the Magi are in this story is to point us to see that he's not just any king. He is the king. The king who came to give his life for you. The king who came to give his life for me. And he is worthy of your life and my life. And that's why we rejoice in him. What are you rejoicing in? Would you pray with me? Father God, as we we continue to praise you through song and giving, as we look at your word, Lord, we pray that more than anything, you would be what our hearts rejoice in and find our joy in. And I just pray for my friends in this room that if anyone in this room does not know you, that today they would rejoice in you, that they would hope in you. And for those of us who are believers, I pray that if there's anything in our lives that is competing with worshiping you, that you would help us to repent of that and turn back to you you are worthy of our praise and our worship it's in jesus name we pray amen we're going to
1: continue in worship and i know what you're thinking this is sermon number two and it it kind of is all right It, it, it kind of is but but not really what i want to do is i want to set you on a trajectory of worship that's going to lead us into our time of offering and frankly we'll lead you back into your homes And the way I want to steer your attention is to focus on authentic worship. I want to take your your attention back to the passage that we just heard, back to the passage that Pastor Paul broke down for us, and I want to bring your attention to the account of these Magi, these wise men. I want you to see that they give us a descriptive example of a healthy and a right response to Jesus, a healthy and a right response to Jesus. They are one of the earliest examples, by the way, of global Jesus worship. The nations coming before Jesus and bending the knee saying, you are the King. This is their testimony. This is what they do. And for us, there's so many things around the Christmas story that really tempts us to get distracted. There's lots of things in their their story, their account that aren't that important. And I know they're not that important because they're not explicit in scripture. It's not clear in scripture. For, For example, we don't really know who they are. We don't really know who they are. Scripture's unclear. We don't know really exactly where they're from. We just know they're from a distant place. They're not from Jerusalem. They're not there. We don't know how valuable the gifts are that they give. I mean, we know it's gold, and we don't know how much. We don't know that. We, we don't even know how many there are. If you're here and you've always thought there's three wise men, that's just kind of some traditional thing we pass down. Scripture gives us no uh, description of how many are there. It doesn't matter. There's almost certainly more than three people there. But we say three because there were three gifts. And if I just blew your mind, and for the rest of this evening, you want to think there really aren't three of them? not important what is important what is explicit in scripture is why they were there this is what pastor paul just unpacked for us they were there for the same reason we have gathered here they were there to worship verse two they came to worship him and in verse 11, they fell down and worshiped him. They give us a descriptive example of what healthy worship should look like in response to Jesus. And all I want to do is give you four quick observations that you can just store in your mind, that you can come into our Christmas give, you can come into the songs that we will sing, that you can take back into your home and you can meditate on this Christmas. Four observations from these wise men about how they worship. First, they sacrificed home. They sacrificed home. They chose the unknown, the unnatural. Verse 1, these wise men were from the East. They they left their home. They left everything behind, the comfort. They left their tribe, their people, their family, their, their culture. They left it all behind to pursue Jesus. What a picture of repentant, Worship to acknowledge Jesus is greater than our worldly identity. See, that's a definition of authentic worship when we recognize, left to myself, I have nothing and everything is in Jesus. And so I turn from my old self and I run to Him. Church, listen in Jesus, you are new, you're new. And so, worship this Christmas with joy from a new identity. At Tri-Cities, we talk about this all the time in our abiding relationship with Christ and the position we have in Him. Worship with joy from a new identity. You are new in Christ. They got that and they left everything (laughs) behind to come find Jesus. Second, they sacrificed time. They sacrificed their plan. Verse 8, they show up, now watch this, they show up, this is important. And, and they're talking to Herod, and they're talking around Jerusalem. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They don't have an address, they don't have a name, they don't know, hey, Joseph, Mary. They're wandering around following a star. Everything in their circumstance is uncertain. This is not going according to an easy plan. It's not efficient. They don't have it mapped out. And what a picture of submissive worship. An acknowledgement that Jesus is greater than our plans. Listen, some of you mourn this Christmas. And Christmas is hard. And you're faced with the reality of worshiping a God when it's hard for you to see how the plans fit together. And I want to remind you, church, in Jesus, you are called. They acknowledge that their time was not their own, that his ways are greater than theirs. And they worship with joy from a new purpose. A new purpose that would be found in Jesus. This is that thing we talk about at tricities that pursuit in that abiding relationship, that we long to be more conformed into the image of Christ. And we see this here with these wise men as they sought Jesus. Third, they sacrificed pride. They fell down before a poor child. Verse 11, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. They proclaimed, Jesus is greater than me. And what a picture of faithful worship. And don't don't just skip over that adjective. I mean, faith. worship. They came to worship a king and they found a poor child. And everything in their earthly perspective everything in their limited perception of what a king should be did not fit. And yet in faith with an eternal view they understood this is the king of kings. And they bowed the knee before a poor child, looking past their perception, past their history, past their traditions, and acknowledge that Jesus is greater than their limitations. Church and Jesus, watch this. You are eternal. You have an eternal perspective. You see the world and life now different. And so we worship with joy from a new life, from a kingdom perspective. We have been redeemed. The old self is dead, and behold, this Christmas for us in Christ, all things are new. We were once dead, and now we have hope. Number four, they sacrificed treasure. They gave their treasures things that they had once worshiped they laid before the one who they now worship verse 11 they offered him gifts gold frankincense and myrrh they treasured him more than their treasures what a picture of kingdom worship the acknowledgement that jesus is greater than our wants and even our needs that it is all about him church in jesus we are sustained we are kept and we persevere in him and so we worship with joy from a new relationship not as a servant to god but as joint heirs with christ with the kingdom watch this the kingdom of god joint heirs with him all that is his shared with us as his children, as his sons and daughters. All this through Christ. And so they laid down their treasures and found joy in a new relationship that gave them everything. Now listen, there's no doubt. All this, all this, is there, all this sacrifice cost them. It cost them time, it cost them energy, it cost them resources, it cost them. Yet, as they drew near, verse 10, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They were not focused on the cost. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy to be near to Jesus. Now, listen. Everybody give me your attention right here. This is the point I want you to meditate on. For those of you who have been redeemed in Christ, today you are nearer to Him than they were. See, the Word, Jesus, took flesh and our sin, and now He has sent His redeemed, His Spirit, that now indwells us, God, with us. Church, worship with joy. God is with us. He is near to us. More near than he was the magi, these wise men. He is near with us. So may we set aside all the things that would hinder us. May we set aside the illusion of a home away from him. May we set aside our time. May we set aside our pride. May we set aside our treasure and rejoice With great joy, God is with us. Praise Jesus, the child who was born to take away the sins of the world. Would you pray with me? Father, you have made yourself known. You have brought salvation to your people our joy is in you and you alone father we proclaim it by your grace help us live it father may our worship bring you honor and glory and exalt the name of your son the name of our savior the name of jesus amen